Hey, good evening. How you guys doing tonight? It's good to see you. Awesome. Welcome. To, glad to be here. Welcome to Cape Christian. Also, welcome to our online community around the globe. We are so, aren't you guys glad that Church Online is with us as well? Yes. We are so glad to have you. Even though we, we can't see you, you can see us. Uh, and I got to say thank you to those of you who would normally come on Sunday, but you're here today because your pastor asked you to make room at 1030. Uh, you know who you are. Uh, and so we are seeing people start to come back to church. And, and God is just, God has been so faithful to us in our church. I just can't, I can't even begin to describe. Um, and so uh, before we get into the message, we're on week two of our That's What He Said series. We promised you something just before Easter that I want to make sure I make good on my promise is um, if you remember, in March, we relaunched our For Everyone campaign, and, and we started this all the way back before the pandemic, and For Everyone is, we want to continue to be a church that uh, is a place that is welcoming to everyone, that is inviting for everyone. We believe everyone matters, and so we want to have a seat for everyone, and God has been so good to us that, again, before the pandemic, we had five services, all of which that were pretty full, and uh, are, are, we're just out of space most places on our campus, and so um, the board, the executive team, our leadership team is all unified on the fact that we feel that this is a season where we are supposed to expand our capacity once again uh, in, in our For Everyone. And so what we're going to do is we're going to build an addition onto this. This is going to become a youth multi-facility. And then we're going to build a worship center that seats 12 or 1300 right off of here um, so that we can not just be uh, a, have more space on the weekends, but we can have a facility that would bless our city for other reasons as well. Um, graduations, leaders' lunches, things like that. And so... Um, so we relaunched that a few weeks ago, and then we had Easter, and then I had a baby, and, and so we told you in May we would come back and kind of let you know, well, I didn't have a baby, my wife did all the work, um, but, uh, but we let you know where we're at, and I just want to tell you, man, it is unbelievable to see what God is doing right now, and, and the best way I could frame this is if you've ever read in the book of Judges, there's a story of uh, a, a man named Gideon, where uh, they're supposed to go take this land that God has promised them, but they start with 30,000 warriors, and 30,000 becomes 10,000, and 10,000 becomes 300. But because they trust and obey God and do things the way he asked them to do it versus the way they would have chosen to do it, not only did they take the land, but they didn't lose a soul. And we feel that that's kind of the season that Cape Christian has been in with the, the pandemic, and a lot of places have been in that, that, that there's been maybe some shrinking, there's been some, some winnowing down a little bit. But, but I love that vision of we believe that God is, still has land for us to take, and we don't want to lose a soul. Amen. And so um, I want to show you, because when we originally launched this, the pandemic squashed it. We were supposed to have a celebration, and then we relaunched it again a year later. And so when we started this back in 2019, uh, tw I'm sorry, the beginning of 2020, when we started, we ended up with 520 different giving units pledging to our vision. Um, we ended up with uh, $2.9 million pledged, which is incredibly generous. Uh, and we collected uh, right over a half a million dollars. Before we go to the next slides, let's go to the slides of the building. And for those of you who are like, man, what are you talking about? We've done this multiple times. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. But this is a picture of what the outside, of, uh, it's not going to look exactly like this per se. But this will be the new outside of our building over here looking into our park and our cafe. Um, we have a, have a big lobby with plenty of space. I said big lobby with plenty of space. Yes. Um, and then uh, a worship center, as I mentioned, that will have a balcony seating as well as floor seating that will be multifaceted, multi-use. Uh, and we want to continue to see this be a facility that's used every day and blesses our city. And it's not just for us. And so, um, so we had to push pause. We had a pandemic. We're like, what do we do? And then as uh, we 
saw our numbers kind of diminish. We saw God do something opposite in our, in our finances and generosity has went up. And I believe if we, as we have been faithful, God has honored that. And so here we are a year later. Now, in our, now when we relaunched it last month, now we have 724 giving units. We have $4.6 million pledged and we've already collected over $1.2 million, which is just incredible. Uh, and that's worth praising. And, and, and again, we're not a, I'm not a guy and we're not a church that likes to talk a lot about money, but it does take money to fund things and to build the kingdom. And I just want to say thank you to you who have been faithful, who have been obedient. Some of you are giving out of your abundance. Some of you are giving sacrificially. Some of you have set aside uh, th- money for other things and you have made this a priority. And, and many of you are, are aware that we're here because somebody went before us and sacrificed. And so you're taking up the mantle to go, we're going to invest in the kids that are over there. They're going to be in these seats someday as adults. And, uh, and, and we see, you know, uh, 16 to 20 million more people moving to South Florida in the next 15 to 20 years. And so we want to have a space for them because I found that in God's kingdom, he always sends people where there's a place for them. And we want to be ready for, for that growth. And so, um, so we've been doing that. So our, our, our big number project we're starting with is we, we think we need about $12 million. Uh, that's the really high number. We're really optimistic. We're going to get that down uh, a couple million dollars. And so we are in the process of securing the financing. We are in the final stages of drawings and, and engineering. And we hope to tell you soon that we're going to be having a, 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 a play, a, kind of a playbook and a timeline of when we can expect to see the ground broken. We're gonna, we are moving forward. We have faith that God is in this and uh, you'll get to hear more and more of those stories, not just about money, but just of God's faithfulness and life change because we aren't doing it for us. We're doing it because Jesus cares about every single plant, person on the planet and every person has a story. And when those lives encounter Jesus and are transformed, that's really why we exist. We are all about that. And so, uh, but I wanna remind you of what I think is one of the coolest parts of this that we made the commitment and I believe with my whole heart, the reason we are where we are is because when we started this, we committed to this being a compassion first project, meaning that the first 10% of everything that comes in is not going to come to us, but it is going to go and we are going to bless other kingdom-minded ministries and organizations, both locally and globally. And so we've been doing that since day one. And so just so you know where where your money has gone in the year that we've been doing this, that 1.2 that's come in, we have done $10,000. We've done lots of different um, projects, but we've given $10,000 to a church plant in uh, California. We gave $10,000 to plant a church in Cuba. We did missionary support overseas. Uh, we, we invested $10,000 in medical debt, which actually wiped out a million dollars of medical debt during the pandemic for all of uh, Cape Coral and Pine Island and North Fort Myers. Um, we did Operation Krispy Kreme during the pandemic, yeah. no, number one, which was um, going to all of our first uh, nurses, first responders, the people who were out there when we didn't know what was happening with COVID with just love and donuts and sugar and just saying, we're praying for you, we bless you, we love you. Um, we've been sending out care team postcards to people in need. Uh, we dug three wells in India and, and are helping those churches provide clean water for their entire community in India. We did extreme makeover where we blessed one woman uh, who had lost her husband right before the pandemic, uh, beloved Jan, who's now a part of our community, wasn't beforehand. Um, we just gave $25,000 to Gulfside, which is a local church that we helped send on the other side of the town. They got an incredible deal on some land and we invested into them. Um, we, we've invested almost $30,000 into other miscellaneous projects. And just yesterday, just this week, we did one of the, the, the new ones, our new uh, Compassion First is we did Operation Krispy Kreme Part 2. And what we did is we recognized that... Um, this last year has been really hard on a lot of groups, uh, maybe none more than either the medical or the education field. I think kids and teenagers have really lost in this pandemic. 
Um, and a big part of that is the teachers. And so we thought, wouldn't it be cool if at the end of the school year, we blessed every teacher in Lee County? So that's what we went and did yesterday. Roll that video. that. That was you. Because you believe in the vision that God has for this community through Cape Christian, you are not only helping us advance God's kingdom in the future here, but you are a blessing. If you give to Cape Christian, you give through Cape Christian. If you're a part of the For Everyone campaign, your funds help do that. And, and I can't tell you how blessed the teachers were. We're getting thank you notes. We're getting text messages. Just that they were thought of and that they were remembered. We went to every single school in Lee County. We had 435 dozen donuts, 5,000 donuts. And I did the math. You're going to love this, John. Almost a million calories. Almost a million, 991,000 calories uh, that we did. And so overall, we've already done up to this point, we've invested $115,000 almost back into the globe and the community as we continue to see God move in us because we are blessed so that we can be a blessing. Amen? Amen. And so this is what you are doing. And I just wanted to report that back to you. And it's, it's just truly uh, just, it's such a blessing to be a part of a church that understands that we are called to be a blessing to others. And we are seeing that as we continue to focus on those in our community and around the world, God continues to take care of us. And, uh, and I just, I can't thank you enough for your faithfulness, your generosity, and your commitment to God's vision through this church. It's not my vision. It's not Dennis's. It's really what God has. And, and somewhere along the lines, you have linked hearts with it. And if some of you are like, man, I'm new here. I don't know anything about this. There's room to join. We'd love to have you apart. We just want you to experience even the blessing that God's gonna do in your life as you continue to be a part of what he's doing in our world. So we have four everyone packets at the, at the Connect table if you have questions about that. Uh, it's a, it's a three-year commitment. It's gonna be probably about a two-year building project and um, we're really excited about it. And I say this all the time if you're new, like, oh, where can't we be talking all about money? I did not go into ministry so I could raise money or build a building. I was not really interested in either, but this is what you gotta do if you wanna reach more people, right? Uh, and so I, I love the life change stories. In fact, I'll tell you this uh, story about the Operation Krispy Kreme. It was awesome because we knew we wanted to do this. And so Pastor Bobby, our executive pastor, calls Krispy Kreme and says, hey, um, would, would you guys be able to do 435 dozen donuts? And, and the, the manager goes, you mean 435? He goes, no, I mean 5,220 donuts. I mean 435 donuts. And she goes, oh my gosh, hold on, hold on. Like, she goes, for what? He says, well, it's been a really hard year and we as a church just wanna make sure that all the teachers know how much we appreciate and bless them. So we're praying for them. We have cards for them. We just wanna give them all a couple donuts. And we did the math, 2,500 staff. So we need 5,000 donuts. Uh, we aren't asking for a deal. We'll pay in full. Uh, could you do that? And she got real quiet, went it off. She goes, you know, I'm just, I'm not a religious person. I'm agnostic. I'm not a, a church person at all. But she goes, you know what? I'll just tell you, if more churches did what you guys did, I think the world would be a better place. And if, if I ever went to a church, I want to check out a church like yours. Um, and so even as we bless others, we were able to, to be. In, and so, so Pastor Bobby says, well, we're in the Cape. We have services all weekend. We'd love for you to join us. Uh, and until then, you will be our sugar source. And so, um, so I just wanted to give you an update. I know it's brief. If you have questions, 
uh, if you're a part of, if you are a part of that 724, you're going to start getting regular communication through email. Um, that we have a regular kind of stuff that you'll be getting updates on, so we don't have to use a lot of service time for that. But I wanted to get back to you because we really started this 15 months ago, and we are we are ready to go, and we are in a better position now than we were when we started even originally. Uh, and so I just love what I love when God tells a God story that only He could do, and we get to be a part of it. So um, that's what's happening. So that's so exciting. Uh, and now I'm going to switch gears, and we're going to go into week two of our That's What He Said series. And if you're new here, you missed last week, what we're doing is we're looking at some of the, some of the maybe the more challenging or tougher, controversial things that Jesus said, and we're kind of asking the question, did he really say that, and, and did he really mean that? Uh, and so last week, we kicked off with the idea that if we want to follow him, we actually have to deny ourselves and kind of die to our own fleshly, selfish desires daily so that we can be who he's made us to be. And we were kind of posed with the idea that in my life, I can either experience God's best for me or I can experience my best, but there's not really room for both. And this week, I'll just give you a heads up. I, I, I don't anticipate a ton of like preach it, brother, amens, because we're gonna look at what I think is the most challenging, the most difficult, the most polarizing. If there's one thing that Jesus said that is the hardest to do for me, that I'm like, man, like, did he really mean that? It's this one. And so we're going to dive into a second passage, but I believe it's so important. It's important for us in our hearts, and it's also important for an unbelieving world to show, be shown what it looks like to be a part of a family, a kingdom that is so opposite of this world that you can't help but be motivated by the love that you see. Uh, but before we do, we did a poll this week on social media. We didn't ask a question because y'all went crazy last week when we asked a question. So we're like, we'll just answer it for them. And so we ran this scenario. We got lots and lots of feedback. And we asked this question to you on uh, Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, you're running late. Traffic is already backed up. And someone cuts you off, almost causing an accident. Your most likely response. You had four options. Uh, number one, creative sign language. Uh, yes. Number two, yell at them like they can hear you. Uh, number three, follow them as close as possible for as long as possible. Number four, I'm usually the guy that cuts you off uh, or gal. And so uh, it's interesting. I learned that we are a yelling, angry church. That's what I learned this week because only 10% of us said creative sign language. So you know, either that or you're lying, but uh, only 10%. Um, 10% said, follow them as closely as long as possible. Just so you know, that's me. I'm like, Rebecca, it drives my wife crazy. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just gonna teach them a lesson. They didn't need to do that. Like, I, I got my foot on the brake, but like, hey, they're getting uncomfortable. I'm like, well, they could have stayed over there. Um, uh, D, I'm usually the guy that cuts you off, uh, 10%. And then almost 70%, yell at them like they can hear you. So that means that if you were to leave Cape Christian on a Saturday or a Sunday, most likely you would have a 70% chance of somebody yelling at themselves like, That's what you said you do. So we're awesome. Which is true. I see it all the time. I'm like, I, I just want to be like, you know, we can't hear you, right? What? It's not 1975. Nobody does this anymore. Half of you don't even know what this is. If you were born in 1985 or earlier, we used to have to roll our windows down manually. That's what that, now you just push the button or you just, Siri, so anyway. Um, so we asked that because it's kind of a lead into our question. Now, I have been camping out on this one scripture and I, I will continue to remind you of it. And hopefully if you remember one thing I said this year, it's this, that there's one particular passage of scripture that Jesus said that you can actually look at and everything Jesus said 
everything Jesus did, everything Jesus taught, and everything that Paul wrote and, and the apostles wrote in the New Testament is, if I can simplify this for you, is literally the application of this one passage. There's one sentence that Jesus said that almost everything else is actually just the how-to application. And it's right here at the end of John chapter 13, uh, verse 34. Jesus says, I'm gonna give you a new commandment. The old commandment was to love others the way that, that I loved me. Jesus said, I'm gonna change it. And now you are to love one another as I have loved you, so you should love one another. Jesus' commandment is the way that God lavishes his love on us, and he does, is the same way we're supposed to treat and love one another. And everything Jesus said and did and everything Paul and James and all those guys wrote is basically the contextual application of this one line. If I am a guy who likes to simplify things, and so that's not an oversimplification. And so we're looking at, so when he says, love as I love you, we have to remember Jesus is never gonna instruct us or implore us to do something he hasn't already done himself, both in our lives and even while he walked the earth. And so he's gonna get into this. And so he's like, okay, so let's talk about how this means. And again, just so you know, there's not gonna need to be a lot of whole there and then context 200, 2000 years ago in Rome. It's as crazy hard, difficult, no way now as it was when they were under the Roman oppression. And here's what Jesus says, this is gonna be really, really simple, but it ain't easy. So before I even get into the Bible, we got a prayer, y'all just gonna hate me for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would remind these wonderful people that you wrote this, not me, <laughs> but ultimately and seriously, that this is actually for our good, that this is how we can have our hearts be in the best condition, this is how we cannot have a bunch of stuff in us that is, just makes us ugly. And ultimately, it's how we will be salt and light and win an unbelieving world, not by arguments or not by uh, even conviction, but by this idea. And so God, for the, 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 the moments where things will come up where we would say, oh, and, and we wanna get defensive and shut down, would we be open enough to your spirit to say, maybe there's something you wanna do in us and through us in this message today. So move Corey out of the way and have your Holy Spirit speak to us. You are such a, a loving individual, God. May we hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So last week, Jesus said, if you wanna follow me, open invitation, which by the way, a reminder, if you didn't watch that video, watch the video covered in dust from the Blueprint series is kind of a setup to this. So here's where he's going to go in, Luke chapter 6. And this Luke chapter 6, don't give it away yet, not yet. Good job. Luke chapter 6 is essentially the same teaching as you find in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. That's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's basically Jesus' first sermon of here's what this is going to be like. And he actually starts in Matthew 5 is you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. So he starts with y'all have something the world needs. Y'all have something the world will, that will change the world. And this is going to be how you do it. And in Luke chapter six, here's what Jesus says. But I say to anyone who is listening, love your enemies. Now, there's not a whole lot of point for me to go a whole lot past this, to teach a whole lot, to get all hyped up. This isn't gonna turn into a glory hallelujah service probably because I think this is the hardest thing Jesus has ever told me to do. Generosity is hard. Selflessness is hard. Patience is so hard for me. I, just, I just spoke at a graduation last night and they had me sit in the middle of the stage the whole time. I had to sit still for like an hour and 45 minutes. It was one of the hardest things I've done in a long time. And I've done some hard things. 
Forgiveness is really, really hard, especially for people who have really hurt me. But this is like on a whole nother planet. Jesus says, love my enemy. Now we can kind of stop there because if we were to be honest, most of us aren't even that good at loving our friends. <laughs> we laugh because it's true. We aren't even that good at loving our spouses or our kids. We chose to marry them. We wanted to have offspring that somewhat looked like us. We wanted, we were like, oh, I love it. And we don't even do the best job with that. We're not even talking about people we're indifferent to. Jesus is like, I'm not talking about your wife. I'm not talking about your boyfriend. I'm not talking about your kids who can do no wrong in your mind. I'm not talking about who your boss who just gave you a raise. Like, I love you. Yeah, it's real temporary. He's talking about, he says, I'm talking about the person who wants to take you out. The person who is out to get you. In word, in speech, relationally, let me help you with who that is. Who's the last person right now you would like to see walk through that door? That's your enemy. And in this day, it was more of a military and political, and it can be that now. And, and I would say in our culture, it's probably not, it could be Al-Qaeda, it could be you know, World War II, but really your enemy in our world is, is often an enemy of the heart. It's a, it's, a, it's a relational enemy, it's a social enemy, and, and it's an ex-wife, it's an ex-husband, it's a, it's, a, it's a friend who just is toxic and just can't help but just sabotage every relationship and you get caught in the wake, it's a narcissistic ex this or that, and Jesus says, I want you to love them. To which I'm like, no way. There's no way. Like again, I. I'm 16 years into marriage and I have some good days of loving Rebecca and I have some not great days. And I'm like, she's awesome. Like my enemies are stupid. <laughs> like they're bad people. And you want me to love them? And this is what Jesus says. And he's gonna go in on three directives on how. He's like, by the way, I know this is, and he never, what I love about Jesus, he's never like, I know you're gonna come up with all your ideas of love. So let me tell you what I mean when I say love. And so this is the opportunity, but here's what I'll tell you. What I've learned and I, I, I am not good at this always, but this is as much for me as it is the person that's on the other side of this. Because what I have come to find out is that when I love my enemies, it has this effect on my heart where things like bitterness and hatred and unforgiveness and anger start to crumble away. And guess what? When I'm really bitter, really angry, really frustrated, I'm not very fun to be around. Even if I'm not angry at you or I'm not bitter at you, it can't help but come out. Come on, somebody. And so Jesus is saying, I have a win. This is what I love about Jesus. Kingdom is always win-win. And he says, this is win-win. I want you to learn to love your enemies. And he says, here's how that's going to look. And he's actually gonna speak to our spirit. He's gonna speak to our words and he's gonna speak to our actions. And so loving our enemies is a threefold approach. It's gonna happen in our prayer time and in our spirit. It's gonna happen with our words and how we operate and speak. And it's going to happen with literally our physical body. And he's like, if you can do this, and I know it's hard. In fact, it's almost impossible, but I got you on that, which good news is coming at the very end. He says, here's what it's gonna look like. He says, so here's how, and, uh, here's how you're gonna do this. But, but first, I thought this was really funny. I found this. Um, there was a man recently who reached his 100th birthday and one of the local news outlets had found him and they said, wow, this is really incredible. Can we interview? He says, oh yeah, I've got nothing else to do. Um, and they asked, him, they asked him, what are you most proud of? The reporter asked. And he says, well, he says, I don't have an enemy in the world. Aww. It's not that sweet. 
He said, uh, the interviewer and the reporter goes, what a beautiful thought. How inspirational. Tell me more. He goes, yep. He goes, I just outlived all of them. <laughs> but I wonder how many of us, that's maybe our approach to the people who have used us, hurt us, or out to get us is to avoid them or to outlive them. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. If we're gonna be so different than the world that they can't help but be compelled by something better and different, we gotta do this. And so he's gonna give us three real quick directives. And again, there's not a lot I have to explain because it's pretty, pretty clear. He says, here's what this is gonna look like. Go ahead and go to the rest of it. He says, do good to those who hate you. He goes on, bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. That's how I feel when I read this. Jesus, help me. Like, but for real, that's my prayer. Because I am not that good at blessing people who bless me. I'm not that good at praying for people who love me. I don't even pray for my friends very good. And you want me to bless those who curse me, do good to those who mistreat me. You want me to pray for them? Oh, I'll pray for him, Jesus. I'll pray for him. I got prayer. Ready? How about this? I hope lightning hits their house and kills their whole family. I hope next time there's a hurricane, it hits one house. You know which house. You know Like, when Jesus says pray for, that's not what he means. And here's what Jesus is talking about. And I think this is so important in our culture. And this is a simple message. Those three things are the message. Love your enemies. And here's the challenge we have and the decision that we have. We have two decisions. We can either let the emotions that drive the feelings of our life, that can be the engine of our life. And then our actions will be the caboose. Or we can let our will, what we decide how we're gonna be, be the engine of our life and our emotions will follow. It will never be both. And Jesus is saying, I will give you my spirit and I can give you self-control and I will actually help it so that your will can drive your life and your emotions will actually follow. And you may not always feel like it, but, but the... But the whole idea is that you can do this. And so Jesus says these three things. And so um, how do I love my enemies? And here's our marching orders. This, week. this is straight from Jesus. I mean, again, this is super, super simple. And so Jesus says, number one, I want you to do good. Say do good. Do good. And put that up there. Do good. Our marching orders are to do good. Well, that's just good in general. Some of us, like we would start with your family. Start with your coworkers. Start with your friends. Start with your cousin. Start with your neighbor. But the goal here is that God would be so in our lives that we would deny ourselves so much that we would give access so much to, to the Holy Spirit in our mind and our heart that we would allow him to heal wounds and, and, and rewrite our script so much that we could not only do good to those who are good to us, but we could actually do good to those who are bad to us because somewhere, some, somewhere else, something fills us and sustains us so much that we, their curses don't really hurt as much and their blessings aren't as needed as much because you don't really, you're not my, my source, Jesus is. And so he says, I want you to do good. And now, I want to be honest. I want to be clear about something. When he's talking about this, this should be a reaction. What Jesus isn't saying is some of you have been in your life, you have been in uh, relationships. Maybe you have an ex-spouse. Maybe you have uh, uh, somebody in your life, and there have been very clear boundaries that have needed to be drawn because it was abusive, it was toxic, it was hurtful. Jesus is not saying go rebuild a relationship with them. That is not what this says. That's not what I'm saying, so don't hear that. But what he is saying is, if you would happen upon them, I can heal you and restore you and, 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 and fill you so much that you could get to the point that you could pay for their coffee if you accidentally ran into them in Starbucks. Yeah. And for some of you, 
you'd rather climb Mount Everest. I'm being serious. Then buy the coffee for whoever it is you don't want to walk in that door today. And Jesus is saying, this, is, this, will, this will be how we show the world, that this will be good for you. He says, so do good. Say do good. Amen. This is our actions. And I like this because Jesus isn't just saying, hey, have a belief system. Come to church and talk about it. No, he's saying, you got to go do it. He's speaking to our actions. That there needs to be a motive. There needs to be an action where you do good. And so, so my question is, is there, is there somebody that maybe the Holy Spirit, maybe God is asking you to go out of your way to do good for Oh, pastor, you don't even know how little they deserve it. I could guess. I've had, I have, I got my people. There's more than one of them that don't need to walk through that door tonight. But I want to be able to be able to be to the point where I could bless them. Because if not, that means they're living rent-free in my heart. They're living rent-free in my mind. And I need that space for other things. And God wants that space to be occupied by other things. And so for some of us, it's just permission for God to heal some stuff that maybe we've tried to keep under the rug. Do good. The second thing he says is, I want you to do good. He goes, I want you to bless. Say bless. bless. Now, in our world, we use, in our culture, we use that word bless. Like, oh, I just wanted to bless you, and it's often actions. But in Jesus' context, that was specifically your words. They were very intentional with their wording. And for a, a, a rabbi or a teacher or even a patriarch or a man to place a blessing on somebody was of the utmost importance. It was you wouldn't leave until you received a blessing uh, it, your words mattered. And, and in fact, they would actually write blessings on their doorways of homes. And when you walked in, they believed that the words of those blessings would fall on you. You see this in Deuteronomy and you see it in the Old Testament. And so this, when he says, I want you to bless those who curse you, this is, this is gonna be really hard for some of us because what he's saying is, I want your words to be words of life. Yeah. I want you to bless them. And, and here's the hard part, ready? I want you to do it privately. I want you to do it publicly. I want you to do it on Facebook. I want you to be able to do it in, in, your, in your own mind. Because see, now we live in a world that's like, well, oh, oh. you know what world we live in? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. We now call it cancel culture. Oh, you're gonna cancel me? You're gonna come at me? I'm gonna cancel you out. Guess what? That's not what Jesus taught. This is the opposite of cancel culture. This is, I'm gonna bless you. They're cursing you. They're running you down on Facebook. You know what you do? Oh, I can't believe you gave me that. I can't believe they said that. Oh, I'm gonna get mine. No, Jesus says, you know what? Every time I get an opportunity, I'm gonna make sure I speak words of life because I'm gonna reap, I'm gonna reap the, the, the fruit of the words of my words and they're gonna reap the fruit of their words at some point. This moment right now today may not be fair, may not be right, but I don't wanna eat that fruit later because we do reap what we sow. It's coming back. So he says, bless. And so he's talking about my words to myself, my words to others. It's, it's, it's rather than gossip at, man, you won't even believe what my neighbor did, da, 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 da. Did you hear about so-and-so? Maybe we all know people in the community that don't have great reputations. They may be bad people. Did you hear about them? Man, I just, I just want the best for them. I just sure hope that, that somewhere along the line something good happens to them so they know their value. What are you talking about, man? I can't believe you would say that. He's a crook. He's a tyrant. He, he's cheating everybody. Yeah, you know, he must really need it. I hope he gets that figured out because I think there's somebody good inside of there. That's what Jesus is talking about. Listen, this ain't natural. This isn't easy. Nobody leaves church this week and be like, bless God, follow Jesus. Dang, Jesus. In fact, if you read the Gospels, there are a whole lot of dang Jesus moments where some people stop following him. It's, dang is, is Hebrew. Uh, I think it's low in Hebrew, or therefore. So bless. Is there somebody in your life that's been running you down? Maybe it's, maybe it's somebody you can't get out of your life, like a, a mother or a father, an uncle, an in-law, a grandfather. And God is saying, the way for you to see change 
if they never change, is with your words. I wanna challenge you to bless them. I want you to bless them publicly. I want you to bless them privately. And then the third thing he says is pray for. Say pray for. Pray for. Pray for. Now we're talking about our spirit. So Jesus wants me to use my actions. He wants me to use my words. And now he wants me to talk to them. And again, I already gave the example of what he didn't mean pray for. I'll pray for some stuff. God, I pray that they would experience your goodness in your life. I pray that they would know that they are truly and dearly loved. In fact, I'm convinced if they knew their value in you, they wouldn't act and treat people this way. There must be something so heinous and horrendous that happened in their life that caused them to be this way. Would you overwhelm them with your love? Imagine if your prayer, oh my God, I feel the anointing. Imagine if the person that you don't want to see walk through, that's how you started your day. Or when they come to mind, instead of creative sign language or whatever we said, it was, God, I pray for her again. I pray for her again. I'm convinced if you could break through, if you could heal her, if you could set her free, if you could help her recover from that, I believe that she would be different, that she would not treat people. She would not think that about herself. She would not say that about others. He would not be that way. And God, I just pray that I would be able to be the type of person that I wouldn't even just be spiteful. I wouldn't be indifferent, but would you help me to love and bless and pray for? Bless you. Pray. Again, some of you are like, Pastor, I don't even pray for my husband. Okay, start there tonight. And then work towards your enemies. And Jesus says, if we do this, this is what's gonna make all the difference in the world. And you know what's really interesting in? If we're doing good, that means we're investing our actions. If we're blessing, it means we're investing our words. If we're praying for, we're investing our time with God. Wait, you want me to spend some of my time with God, my enemies? What about my kids? And what about... You know what I've learned something? Jesus is really smart. Because if we start doing this, Guess what starts happening to your heart? You stop rooting against them and you start rooting for them. This thing called love and called compassion starts to come out of us. You know why? Because it's really hard to curse something you're invested in. I'm not gonna go buy Apple stock tonight and then be like, go bankrupt, baby, you suck. No, I want it to go up. But if you're investing your words and you're investing your actions, you're investing your spiritual time into something, you're actually gonna want what's best for them. And all of a sudden, guess who you're gonna start looking like? Jesus, guess what emotions you're going to have? Joy, love, hope. Let's just consider the alternative for a moment. What's on the other side of it? Bitterness, anger, hate, bondage, addiction, unhealthy coping mechanisms. And Jesus is saying, you can either have that or you can have this. Is it easy? No, it's like impossible without God. But you can do it. Jesus goes on in Luke chapter 6, verse 30. Two, he says this, if you only love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Even bad people do that. Verse 33, he says, if you only do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that? Even bad people do that. Even sinners do that. He says, and if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is it to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. See, in a world that has cancel culture, Jesus is saying, let's trade in cancel culture for kingdom culture. Let's let love and pray and bless and do good be the way. Let's love our enemies. How? We're gonna do good and we're gonna bless and we're gonna pray for it. And you just see what effect that has on your heart and you just see what effect that has on the world around us. And let's see what happens in Cape Coral and Lee County. Let's just see if there's not a little less brokenness, a little more hope, a little more love, a little bit more compassion. Why? Because a group of people took Jesus at his word and said, as crazy as this is and as possible as Jesus, I believe and trust that this is what's best. So help me. By the way, our history has been shaped by a leader who did this. His name was Martin Luther King Jr. He's the only person in American modern history to shape history on this context, MLK. We celebrated him a couple months ago. 
See, you may not know this, but there's a story where they would actually train for the marches because Martin Luther King wasn't just a social justice revolutionary. He was a follower of Jesus. He was a pastor. And he wanted a nonviolent protest that exuded the love of Jesus. And so before they would ever go march, they would train themselves by spitting on each other and slapping each other and misusing each other and cursing each other. And until the whole group was ready, they wouldn't go march. In fact, in Selma, Alabama, they, uh, Selma, Georgia, uh, wherever Selma is, they pushed back. They had, a, they had a march scheduled and they were doing their training and they, and they just couldn't handle it. They were, everybody wanted to retaliate. So they pushed it back three months because he says, we're only doing this one way. In fact, I want to read you a couple paragraphs from his autobiography because this captures, this is what happens. He changed history through the gospel of Jesus Christ because they were right. They were being oppressed and abused, but he wanted to do something no one in history had done up to that point. He says, toward the end of the mass meeting, King says this, I would extend an appeal for volunteers to serve in our nonviolent army. We made it clear that we would not send anyone to demonstrate who had not convinced himself or herself and us that he could accept and endure violence without retaliating. At the same time, we urged volunteers to give up any possible weapons that they might have on their persons. Hundreds of people give, gave up uh, their knives in appeal, uh, did this, uh, uh, responded to this appeal. Some carried pen knives, Boy Scout knives, all kinds of knives, not because they wanted to use them against police or attackers, but because they wanted to defend themselves against Mr. Connor's dogs. We proved to them that we needed no weapons, not so much as a toothpick. We, prov uh, we proved to them that the possession, uh, that we possessed the most formidable weapon of all, the conviction that we were right. We had protection of our knowledge that we were more concerned about realizing our righteous aims than about saving our own skins. The invitational periods at the mass meetings when we asked for volunteers were much like those invitation periods that occur on Sunday morning churches when the pastor projects the call to pre the present to join the church. By 20s and 30s and 40s, people would come forward and join our army. And we did not hesitate to call our movement an army. It was a special army with no supplies but its sincerity, with no uniform but its determination, with no arsenal except faith with no currency except conscience. It was an army that would move, but not maul. It was an army that would sing, but not slay. Dr. King changed history by peaceful protests because he took Jesus at his word. And he's credited, he was quoted saying, what, what inspired him? You know who inspired him? A guy named Gandhi. Gandhi had done the same thing years back in India. So four years before his first march, Martin Luther King went to India and studied Gandhi. And this is what he said. He says, Christ showed us the way and Gandhi showed us it could be done. Our history is marked. Some of the problems we're still trying to eradicate now, love your enemy would solve it. Do good, bless, pray for it. Hey, church, let's go. The world's not gonna do it, so it's only gonna be us. What, where are we gonna find ourselves on this side? We're supposed to be salt. We're supposed to be like, and I already know what you're thinking, pastor, this is like impossible. I know it is, but I got good news here in just a second. Go to John chapter 13, verse 35. That really important scripture I told you, that was the application, everything else is the application of. You know what Jesus said right after that? John uh, 13, verse 35, he says, by this, the whole world will know that you are my disciples because you're right and you argue good and you scream loud in your car. Our only hope is for the love that we have for one another. Our friends, our coworkers, even our enemies. And to those who would say, I can't do it, it's impossible. Jesus covered that in Matthew chapter 19. He had a tough teaching like this, and they were like, man, who can do this? And Jesus gave this assurance. He says, with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And so, good news, bad news. 
You can't do this on your own. Good news, you don't have to. The God who created you wants to give you his spirit and he will empower you to do things that you are not capable of doing on your own if you will allow him into that space in your life. So as we close really quick, I just wanna to talk to, if you are not a Jesus follower, if you're not a Christian, you're watching or you're here, hopefully you've met a Christian who treated you this way. But the best news is, this is Jesus's posture to you. While you were his enemy, he was blessing you. While you were cursing him, he's praying for you. He intercedes on your behalf. He went to the cross on your behalf. And so he's not asking us to do anything he didn't do for you first. And this is what you will find in him that the world cannot offer you. And every weekend we invite people to say yes to Jesus and start that relationship. And if that's you, when we pray in just a moment, you can open your heart. The Bible says, if you believe this is for you and you confess it with your mouth and you can be, have this relationship. For the rest of us who are Christians or, or, or church goers or Jesus followers, I shouldn't have said church goers. That doesn't really mean much. How are we doing at loving our enemies? I wrote down a couple questions. Is there somebody in your life that's an enemy? Is there somebody that you've canceled? Is there someone that you have hatreds toward? Is there somebody that your heart needs you to pray for? Maybe it just starts with, I can't. And I'll tell you this, some of you are like, Pastor, you have no idea how difficult what you're asking me is. Maybe, just maybe this message is just to help you to go, I need some healing in my heart. And Jesus would love to meet you and start with you there. If you can't pray for them today, at least let them heal the wound today so maybe tomorrow you can pray for them because we're all works in progress and Jesus will meet you right where you're at. And so this week, this is Jesus' marching orders to us. Love your enemy. How? We're gonna do good. We're gonna bless. We're gonna pray for. And we're gonna see what effect that has on them and we're gonna see what effect that has on us. And if this has stirred up some stuff, they're like, man, I need somebody to pray with me or talk with me. Our prayer room is right there. We have a ministry team. We'd love to do that. But my time is up and we have some marching orders. And so we're gonna go be salt and we're gonna go be light. And I hope somebody comes back to church next week. <laughs> pray with me. Jesus, as almost impossible as this sounds, I love how compelling it is because nobody does this. You can't find this anywhere in the world. And so God, I pray that we would be a group of people who take you at your word. We don't just hear things, but, but we would understand that you've called us to love even those who are the hardest for us. This week, that our response to people who cut us off in traffic, who would try to take advantage of us to, to coworkers or bosses or neighbors or whatever would change dramatically because we've, hear, we've heard your word of saying we are supposed to bless and pray for and to do good for them. And so God, I pray that we would look for opportunities to bless, to pray for, to do good. When, those, when that name comes to, my, to mind, the person I wanna yell and scream and, and curse and, and, and throw things, God, would I learn to be able to pray for them? Would you bring healing? Would you bring freedom in our heart? as well as would you bring hope and healing and freedom to them as well. God, I pray that you would help us do this. This is one of those things that seems impossible. But you promised, Jesus, you said that with God, all things are possible. So for everybody who needs it, God, we are asking, will you help us do this? Come into our lives. Give us your Holy Spirit, God. And if there's anybody here who has never given their life to you, but they want to start that journey today, I pray that you would come into their life and you, that would be so real for them, that you would go with them that, that you would make this real to them, God, that your scripture would come alive. And for all of us, God, that you would empower us to do this and we would have testimonies next week of, of the condition of our heart and how we've gotten to be salt and light by the way that we've loved, blessed, prayed, and done good. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.